a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Really pleased to have joining us on the program once again. We've got Daniel Bunn, who's the Executive Vice President of the Tax Foundation in Washington, D.C. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Boyd. Happy to join you. So a lot of rumblings and grumblings, I guess, uh, as it relates to the the global corporate tax, that minimum tax uh, that we heard a lot about for a while, kind of went underground and now is reemerging. Just for our listeners, give us just a, a quick recap what that is, what that would do, and kind of what the state of play is. Sure. So last year, there were a lot of conversations, and even years prior to that, about harmonizing corporate tax policy across the globe with a minimum corporate tax rate. Last year, more than 130 countries signed up to a template for minimum corporate taxation for large multinationals. Now, these rules are optional. Um, You can decide whether to put them in place or not, but the agreement set out this general template, and the idea is that if you get a critical mass of countries to adopt these rules, then there would be essentially a floor on corporate tax rates worldwide. Where things stand now is, well, the U.S. has been bogged down in getting the Build Back Better legislation passed, and that would have brought some of those rules into play in the U.S., And the European Union has hit some roadblocks as far as adopting over there. Other countries are looking at next year or the year after for putting these rules into place. But right now, it's not a lot of forward motion on adoption of these rules. So President Biden obviously uh, had this as part of his original Build Back Better plan uh, and kind of that debate in there. So what are things looking like in terms of the U.S. uh, and uh, this global minimum tax? The interesting thing about the U.S. tax position is that we already have a sort of minimum tax on the foreign earnings of U.S. companies. This was adopted as part of tax reform, um, where we lowered the rate and broadened the base. And one of the ways we broadened the base was including more uh, foreign earnings of U.S. companies. Uh, However, those rules that are on our books right now don't match up to the global agreement. And the Biden administration was going to try to align our rules a little bit more to that agreement, but there still would have been some policy gaps. The U.S. approach was going to still be a little bit different, but because that legislation um, didn't get through Congress last fall um, and it's still kind of stuck and languishing in different ways, uh, it's not clear when the U.S. might change our rules on minimum taxation. And how big of an impact uh, will that have if the U.S. is still kind of uh, st- stuck in the muck and the mire of the, the politics of it all, uh, how does that impact the rest of the world uh, taking action or just kind of just muddling along? Other countries are able to adopt these rules now that the template is sort of set. Um, the problem is that you might have mismatches between U.S. rules and rules abroad or even different uh, approaches abroad. And that's where I get worried a little bit about um, cross-border investment. There's a lot of country companies that have, you know, supply trains that cross a lot of borders, 
Um, a lot of uncertainties with respect to the pandemic, with respect to the war in Ukraine, and now with respect to tax policy. Uh, and I think it's going to be critical for policymakers to take stock of that uncertainty and figure out whether this is the right way forward at this time. Yeah, and it does seem that the uh, war in Ukraine has definitely uh, caused a few nations to kind of rethink their rethinking. Uh, we know Poland in particular has sort of gotten cold feet in terms of uh, fully embracing uh, that minimum tax. Uh, wh- where does that stand and, and how does the war really play through in terms of what's happening in Ukraine, what Russia is doing and and the impact that it's having on places like Poland? So Poland is in an interesting position um, because it's part of the European Union, and the European Union requires all 27 countries to unanimously approve significant changes like this global minimum tax. Um, So Poland is essentially looking at this deal and saying, you know, we're not certain if the U.S. is going to adopt this deal. We want to make sure that if the EU is going to adopt it, it's also going to be adopted elsewhere. Um, let's hold um, hold back on it at least until we know things are going to move forward in the way they were expecting. But also, Boyd, with the war, with a lot of these other uncertainties, this type of tax policy approach is more of a nice to have than a need to have. There's a lot of priorities for focusing on sanctions, aligning aid, um, being prepared for you know uh, the future um, with respect to the uncertainty from the war and you know other potential conflicts. And I think nations are focused more on those things than adopting a minimum tax at this point. Uh, that's great. That's great insight, Daniel. And, and uh, so is that indicative of uh, kind of other European nations? That are, are they also kind of saying, hey, we've got a host of other things that are much higher on the priority scale. Let's kind of back burner this. There have been conversations about that. Uh, I think a month ago, there were more countries that were saying, hey, let's put this on the back burner. Um, France is leading the conversation in the EU on this, and it's been a huge priority uh, for France. And I think they've been able to figure out compromises with some of those countries that wanted to put it on the back burner. And Poland is still standing fast and saying, hey, we're not ready to do this thing. Oh, that's interesting. And obviously in France, uh, over the next 10 days, there'll be uh, an interesting debate in terms of uh, the presidential election there. And if uh, President Macron continues to uh, lead the country, that would obviously lead this one way. If uh, Le Pen were to win, that obviously would be a, a very different discussion in terms of that kind of taxing. Yeah, I think uh, Le Pen would be much less interested in you know almost any multilateral conversation on policy. Yeah. Anything else you're watching for or looking for as uh, we watch this play out over the next little bit? I think one of the things that I am watching is uh, the interaction between tax policy and trade policy. A few years ago, there was a lot of discussion around digital services taxes and tariffs. uh, And it's possible if this global deal doesn't get adopted or countries are uncertain about it being adopted, uh, that those digital services taxes and then the tariffs might all come back. Uh, so it's kind of a, an uncertain time to see, you know, where the tax and trade uh, policy conversations intersect. Uh, and, that's, and that's an important component. And I appreciate you raising that. The tax policy is one thing. The trade policy uh, becomes a completely different one. And uh, we'll definitely have you back to to do a deeper dive uh, on all of that, because I think that's going to be the, the big game uh, in the months ahead. Uh, Daniel Bunn, executive vice president from the Tax Foundation. Always appreciate your perspective and insight. Uh, great stuff, as always. Thank you, Boyd. That wraps up our number one of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. So many things uh, to look at there as it relates internationally. 
We've heard a lot from Democrats uh, calling for the repeal of the filibuster to try to get more things done in the Senate. The Democrats actually might realize how important the filibuster is. We're going to talk about that with James Walner coming up next after Top of the Hour News. Stay with us. Much more to come. Hour number two, Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.